Betterment. Yes, the largest and fastest growing automated investing service designed with revolutionary technology to promote smarter investing, better returns, and to minimize your taxes now, later, and throughout retirement. Betterment, investing made better. Get up to six months free by visiting Betterment.com slash money. And if you love this show, you will go to Betterment.com slash money and sign up today. So let's get this show started. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Listen Money Matters. I don't want to be broke. I just want to be paid. My name is Matt, and I'm here, as always, with Andrew. Andrew, how are you, and what are you drinking? Good. Good man, that that core reminds me of something. It's, it's a little it, familiar. I put my finger on it. Ah. So, you know, uh, you had told me, um, you know, a few episodes ago, you're like, you you really like Belgian ales. <laughs> yeah, and, that's me. Um, I was like, huh, maybe I do just like Belgian ales. And so, uh, you know, I really like IPAs too. So I was like, why don't I just have like a BPA? And it turns out Omegang has a BPA, a Belgian-style pale ale, and it's damn tasty. Yeah, so it's super high in alcohol and super bitter. Uh, it's actually not that high. It's like 6.2%. Oh, really? Yeah, which is surprising because usually uh, Belgians have been – at least the one I've been picking has been pretty high. Yeah, they usually go pretty high. Uh, and it's and, – and what's the name of it? It's just called a BPA? It, yeah, it's just called BPA. I don't know if it's like a thing or they just coined it or, or what. Right. Um, I am drinking a Flying Fish Hop Fish IPA uh, that was sent to me from the good people at Flying Fish, located uh, in my neck of the woods in Somerdale, New Jersey. And they sent me uh, half a case of uh, all different kinds of beers. And this is actually – you know, I, I don't drink a lot of Flying Fish in my uh, normal life because I don't mm. see it around a lot. I don't know why. Um, I see it in the I liquor. I think it's like more on like the craftier end of craft. Well, it's like uh, you know, I there's a there's another like you'd like Riverhorse. Riverhorse is up by you, sort of. Yeah, I like Riverhorse. Yeah, so there's another New Jersey brewery that I like, and you know, I see their stuff, but I, I don't see it on tap frequently. And I, I wish it I wish it were on tap frequently because I'd I'd drink it. But uh, yeah, so this is Hot Fish IPA. It's very very good. I, I really enjoy it. And uh, they 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 recently changed their labels, and I really like the new labeling. It's super cool. Uh, so anyway, uh, yes, today's catchphrase is by you know who. You probably don't, but if you if you don't know, it's <laughs> I it's a song lyric that I wrote for our uh, personal finance rap video called "All My Money," which you can find at listenmoneymatters.com/slash/all-my-dash-money, and not not the word dash, but the actual physical hyphen. Uh, and yes, uh, somebody had, I think that somebody sent that to me on Twitter, or or I saw it on Twitter because somebody quoted it, and I was like, that's a good catchphrase. So I'll go with it. Uh, and I'm not going to sing it because you can just go online and hear me sing it uh, with a rap video that Andrew and I are both in that we filmed in New York for a very low, very low, very low amount of money. Uh, so if you guys have catchphrases, please send them into our Twitter account. It's at Money Matters Man. And if you don't have a Twitter account and that's okay, you can send them into our Facebook page, which is facebook.com slash listen money matters. So uh, we're drinking beers. And we're talking about our rap video, and I we have a guest on the show today, and we're going to talk about minimalism because we've had some listeners, some some guys out there have been asking us to talk about minimalism some more. I'm very interested in the subject of minimalism, and uh, today we have Joel Zaslovsky of ValueofSimple.com. Also, he has a podcast called Smart and Simple Matters. 
very similar to a show that we know. Something, mm. something matters. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, and he also uh, just recently put on an event called Simple Rev, uh, all about just living simple. And you can find that at simplerev.com, R-E-V.com. Uh, so, Joel, how are you today? Man, I'm fantastic. Thanks for having me on the show, guys. Absolutely. By yeah. the way, I'm drinking the clear stuff today. What's just that? Just straight up water. Just straight water. Mm-hmm. That's, that's being minimalist. Well, that's not really being minimalist. No? That's just how I do it. That's just how you roll. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, uh, you know, our, you, all right. I guess my first question, very simple, which is kind of your theme. Uh, are you a minimalist? Yes. Yes, <laughs> I are. am. What, may, what, do you consider the, what do you consider a minimalist to be? Like, how do you, and I guess, you know, obviously it's like somebody call them, calling themselves a writer. Hey, if you write, you're a writer, right? If you call yourself a writer, you're a writer. Uh, is it the same where if you call yourself a minimalist, you are a minimalist, or is there certain criteria you have to meet in order to become uh, a minimalist, same as like becoming a chef or something? Yeah, well, just to be clear, I'm not part of the minimalist certification board, so There's, I don't. That's get to actually decide. a thing. <laughs> no, it's okay. not. Okay, <laughs> I didn't know. I would, I would not be surprised if it was though. But my, my point in all this, it's just like any label that you embrace. I mean, there's lots of other labels that define me. I'm, I'm a paleo dude. Okay. I'm a father. I'm a, a spreadsheet lover. <laughs> I just, there, there's a lot of things that we could talk about and go into. So uh-huh. minimalist is one of the labels that I apply to myself and that I see a lot of other people applying to themselves. And it means something different to everybody. I won't get into the hundreds of different definitions and, and nuances that sure. I've seen, but... What I really like, a friend of mine, Joshua Becker of becomingminimalist.com, he defines minimalism as the intentional promotion of the things we most value and the removal of everything that distracts us from it. And there's the key thing here is, one, being intentional, uh, as opposed to for the first 30 years of my life, maybe we'll get into this, yeah. I was just floating, total arbitrary, like nothing that I did was intentional in nature. And then also identifying all the things that are holding you back. They might be physical or they might be mental, emotional, spiritual. So stripping away that access so that you can really focus on the things that each of us get to uniquely define that matters to them. Hmm. So you're, you, you haven't always been a minimalist. You didn't grow up a minimalist. No, no. I evolved into one about five years ago when my wife told me that she was pregnant with our first son, Grant. Hmm. So wh- I want you to start kind of, you, you, you mentioned, and I have to go down this road now, uh, that you were floating. Now, I guess your parents weren't minimalists. No. No. Still aren't. Yeah. So, and how did you go from, I mean, what, what kind of life were you living prior to all this change? Oh, pretty classic American middle-class life. I grew up in St. Paul, Minnesota. I, by the way, my parents are fantastic. I sure. love, love them. Uh, but <laughs> especially when it comes to the the number, like my dad's very much a just-in-case guy. He mm-hmm. saves everything just-in-case. And I'm the polar opposite right now. Is If I can identify a sometime near-term need for something, I, I don't really want to have it around. And if, right. if it turns out that I'm wrong and I do need it at some point in time, then I'll buy it or yeah, I'll you'll get use it the share economy, I'll access it, but whatever it is. So no, I didn't grow up as one. I grew up as somebody who just followed the script. I didn't even know that I was following the script, but I was following the script. Hey, Joel, get good grades all the way through high school and go to good college and <laughs> meet maybe your potential wife. Yep, I'm checking all these boxes, guys. Uh-huh. And then get a comfortable, high-paying, stable job out of college. Boom, done. Get a house. Yep. A couple of dogs, sure thing. <laughs> Maybe have a kid or two. And every single time, up until the fact that Melinda, my wife, when she told me, this was April 2010, that she was pregnant with our first son, Grant, I was just checking all these boxes, guys. And I had no idea that 
I was. It was just the social norm. All these external thing, you know, people and, and norms that were telling me, dude, you got to live this way. I was going with the flow, just kind of floating along. Whoever wanted to give me a job first, got my work for a decade, which is what happened. Go to the same college your brother went to, which is exactly what I did. It, and then it's kind of like a lightning bolt, like, holy crap, I've got eight months before I'm going to be a papa. And what is it going to take for me to be a really good father? Because this is really important to me. And I assessed for the first time in my life, well, what is it, what is it that I actually want? And I realized that a lot of the things that I had and a lot of the things that I was, I didn't want. So I started the removal process and ooh, painful and ugly, but very necessary to start on my path towards well, minimalism. Did you, did you, all right, so the, the switch was flipped when your wife told you, right? Or you were married, right? Yeah, yeah, we had been married for a number of years before okay. she told me she was pregnant. All right, so, and, and it just, I, I don't, that switch flipping, was it just like, was it just that easy? Or did you watch a series of documentaries, you read a couple of books, and you're like, oh, shit, like this all kind of just melds together in this one, like, I need to change? No, it, it was, I didn't even know. It's not like this lightning bolt ran through me, and I thought, oh, I better run a Google search for minimalism right, <laughs> right now. Right, 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 right. <laughs> that word wasn't even in my vocabulary. Ah. But as I started to explore living with less, I came across blogs like Joshua Becker's Becoming Minimalist and Courtney Carver's Be More With Less. There's a super popular one called Zen Habits by Leo Babauta, which Love isn't explicitly minimalist, but it is minimalist in nature. A lot of what Leo talks about uh, is totally in alignment with leading an intentional life and being more with less. So I, I, as I started reading these blogs, I got into a couple of podcasts and I realized this minimalism thing is awesome. Like the more that I remove toxic relationships from my life, the better I feel like crazy. The, the less <laughs> I do things out of social obligation or be like the less I put into my 401k because, hey, that's what you're supposed to do. Delay all of your gratification until you're 65 when you're too old to enjoy anything. I'm like, nah, nah, that's I want to have some fun right now. Like I want to I want to use my money in a different way than what the social norms call for. And minimalism gave me a lens in which to view things in a completely different alternative way. Again, I don't claim to know the right way. I don't think that minimalism is the best thing ever or for everyone. Yes. But I know so many people who have embraced it and, and maybe even simple living at a higher level and have benefited in a bazillion different ways. So you consider the relationship thing under minimalism. Like this oh, idea of like stripping away the toxic friendships and relationships um, and have maybe less friends but more valuable friends or friends who uh, provide you more, you know, I guess internally. Yeah, well, I'm a, I'm a bad minimalist when it comes to friends. Like, that's the one thing that I can never get enough of. I blame it on my extrovert nature. Yeah. So uh, the, the friends that I did cut out, though, were people who, they were college buddies who, oh, fine, I'll get together with you every three months, and oh, we're not going to have a really good time, but I'm willing to spend 10 bucks driving your house, and right. we'll play video games, and it'll be okay. But I didn't want that kind of thing anymore. So I, I cut those kinds of people out of my life. And then it gave me the space to add a whole bunch of people, new people that I found through all these different simple living and minimalist communities where I thought, you are awesome. Yeah. Can we be friends? Yeah. And I had the room in my life to make friends with them. How do you cut people? How did you go about it? Oh, just pretty cruelly. Really? Honestly. Okay. Yeah. Just kind of uh, like a Band-Aid. You know, you just got to rip it off. 
I'm not really the wither and die kind of type yeah. where, okay, let's both acknowledge that we haven't interacted in two years, so we're not friends anymore. I'm more of the, hey, let's make it explicit. I know that it kind of sucks and nobody wants to hear that uh, you don't want to be friends with them anymore. Yeah. And a part of it was just framing it as me. Like, I've changed. It's almost like breaking up with a girlfriend where it's not you, it's me. And really, it was me. The I George just, Costanza I, approach, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I just told them that I've made some radical changes in my life, which I did. I mean, they were, I'm a fundamentally different person now than I was before what I call my personal renaissance, which started when my wife told me she was pregnant. Mm-hmm. And I just told them, the types of things that we do, the kinds of conversations that we have, this isn't what I want. And I'm going to be a horrible friend if we continue to interact. So you're better off without me. See ya. And speaking of relationships, uh, your wife, did you have to convince her about this minimalist lifestyle or was she like that before? She's She wasn't and she isn't. That's the interesting thing is you'll huh. find a number of people, just like anything in terms of the way that you eat or exercise, or the kind of work that you do, you'll find couples who are supportive of each other, but aren't necessarily in alignment in terms of how they want to run their own wardrobe, or how they want to manage their own bank account. And my wife, Melinda, and I are very much that way. She's been totally cool with this whole minimalism thing, and she basically says, dude, do, do your thing, buddy, uh, as long as it's not impacting my uh, my standard of living and the way that I want to live and the way that we collectively want to raise our family. I've, so I've got two boys now, Grant, who's four, and Clark, who's one. She's been pretty lenient with uh, a lot of radical experiments and minimalism, even though she hasn't embraced it herself. And like anything, I, I'm not somebody who claims to know the right way. So I haven't twisted her arm and said, oh, come on, honey, let's just get rid of all the plastic <laughs> crap toys in the basement or... Um, let's not go out to eat every month. Let's put that money in the bank instead and think about how much we're going to have with compounding interest and all these fun things. That's just not a conversation that I even enter into because one, I know it's not going to fly. And two, I want to lead by example, not just with my wife, but also with people who are listening to us right now. I want them to see for themselves all of the joy, all of the fulfillment that you can get when you strip away a lot of what you can identify as excess, just things that you desire, urges, impulses that you have. And when you focus on a needs-based mentality, which is what a lot of minimalists do, then you have a lot of room to say yes to a lot of really cool things that come across your plate instead of just being, oh, busy, busy, busy all the time. I mean, zipping from commitment to commitment. To me, that stressed me out. And I opted out and I felt great ever since. Joel, it, it sounds <clears throat> it sounds awesome. And when you say it, it sounds so easy. But uh, I I know because I have kind of a similar setup with my wife, although she is generally not a big spender anyways. Like, can can you pull back the curtain a little bit and tell us how you are controlling your end? She's it's not affecting her lifestyle and it's not like completely clashing because I feel like that's like a butting heads thing. Yeah. We, oh, sure. Well, first of all, so I've, I've been an entrepreneur for almost three years and I've 
basically made no money. And you might be thinking, okay, well, you got a sugar mama. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I do have a sugar mama who doubles as my wife. Now, that in itself is a tremendous help. My wife makes a lot of money, and, and I love her for that. And, of course, I love her for a 100 other reasons. <laughs> of course. But in my decade in corporate America, before I quit to, to lead a life of more fulfillment, of more value, direct value to people who I wanted to influence and impact, uh, I made a lot of money guys. Yeah. And I, I've always been frugal. I've always been a great saver and I've never really blown my cash on the typical things that people, you know, big houses, big cars, uh, fancy coffee bills and all that kind of stuff. It's That just doesn't really do it for me. So we had a ton of money saved by the time that I quit. And I showed her because, I, like I said, I'm a huge Excel spreadsheet guy. I showed Melinda in a spreadsheet. I said, look, honey, I can make zero dollars for three years if you continue making what you're making. And even after we add a second kid, which we now have, we're still going to be able to maintain our lifestyle. So being able to show her the cold, hard numbers in a spreadsheet, that doesn't really help her emotionally with the challenges sure. that we faced. So with me basically declaring, I'm not, I'm not in it for the money anymore. I'm not actively avoiding money. If people want to pay me for the value that I'm creating, whether it's through products or services or whatever, great. But that's not even a secondary goal of my business now. We've, we've got the kind of family and we've agreed that as a couple, we just need to make enough money to fund what we want. And yes, Melinda makes the vast, vast majority of what we make as a couple, but we've both agreed that that's okay, at least for now. And that was a matter of having an open communication, I imagine. Oh, dude, that took place over two years. That was right, just so it's been one a, it's been conversation. An ongoing yeah, yeah, that was a uh, okay. Let's have a lot of really awkward and difficult conversations for a really long time until we're finally on the same page. But you got through it. Yeah, it's still ongoing. Still I mean, going, just okay. like anything in life. Yep. We we change. Our family situation changes. Uh, our needs in terms of what we want, what we desire, and of course, we conflict on that. You know, my needs are minimal. Uh, her needs are a little bit higher, at mm -hmm. least in the traditional sense. So how do we reconcile those two things? A lot of times we don't, and there's some tension that results from it. But uh, in general, if you have a supportive partner, and man, that is that makes all the difference in the world. I, mm -hmm. I wouldn't be talking to you guys right now if it wasn't for Melinda, because I never would have quit my job. Right. If she never gave me the permission or she never really supported me in what I'm currently doing, yeah, my, my whole podcasting, entrepreneurial, simple thing, it just it doesn't exist. So when you made the flip, um, two questions. One, what was the first biggest thing you gave up, uh, you, you, know, you cut from your life, and what was the hardest thing to strip away? Well, the first thing I gave up was video games. Really? Yeah, man. And wow. you can't do that. Warcraft. That's... You ever play World of Warcraft? Oh, have I ever. I had Nerd the alert. <laughs> Sorry. The worst part is when I'll tell you how many days in actual playtime you spent on the game. I think I capped at like 40 something days and I just, it was enough. How about Andrew? you? Yeah, I'm pretty sure I was higher than that. I never did the slash days to see, but it was probably 80 or 100 like oh, wow. full 24-hour days over the course of about five years. That game had me addicted so bad and I realized... Look, if I keep playing World of Warcraft, staying up until 3 o'clock in the morning playing, and then having to go to my corporate job for 11 hours, waking up at 6, and then having nothing left in the tank physically and emotionally when I get home, I'm going to be a deadbeat dad. Like that, 
that just hit me like, dude, you are so going to be a deadbeat dad. Yeah. You got to give up World of Warcraft. Yeah. So the next day after Melinda told me she was pregnant, I just quit cold turkey and I haven't played any <laughs> video games again because I, I love video games. They're so awesome that I don't, if I start, I don't think I can stop. So I just made the decision to never start again. And that was the first thing you shipped away. Yeah. What was the hardest thing? <sighs> Can't be the Sugar. same thing either. R- really? Uh huh. And I still haven't succeeded in this. I still sugar binge every once in a while just because I think this goes back to my childhood. Don't worry. We don't have to get all. I'm sitting on a couch and you guys are my psychologist or anything. <laughs> I kind of like it, but all right. Okay. Well, if you want to sit down on a couch, that's fine. Uh, sugar is something that I would love to banish from my life. And I, there's so many times where I'm just consumed with the thought of where am I going to be able to get a cookie? And huh. as I... So minimalism is part of what I see as simple living. And part of simple living is having a level of awareness of your urges and being able to act against some things that are inherently human. Like we all have basic impulses and denying those impulses isn't necessarily deprivation at, at least. So there's, can I give you guys a quote? You guys yeah. do any yeah. quotes? quotes? Okay. Seneca who is one of the famous Stoics. Stoics, Yeah. yeah. So he said this quote, I love it. He says, there's nothing harsh about having to do without things for which you have ceased to have any craving. And I firmly believe that. And I want sugar to be something that I cease to have any craving with. But even, you know, five years into doing meditation and yoga and all this kinds of stuff, which makes me more uh, deliberate and self-aware, I still still want to cut sugar out, and I just haven't been able to do it. Interesting. So you would consider you, you said you were paleo. Yeah. So would you consider that a minimalist way of eating? I do. It's okay. restrictive, but in a in a liberating way. See, that's a lot of the irony with minimalism is people think, well, if I have less, then I'm I'm going to have less. But you can get more gratitude and contentment and feel a greater sense of abundance the more you get into minimalism. And with the paleo diet, for me, it's more than a diet. It's it's an overall lifestyle. But I just have a few categories in which I eat. So there's meat, there's vegetables, there's fruits, there's nuts, there's all kinds of deliciousness that comes from the sea. And then technically, I'm not paleo-orthodox. I eat dairy. Sure. I live in Minnesota and there's lots of butter and milk and and cheese here and I love it. And I'm not convinced that from a health perspective that it's really harming me in any meaningful way. But just picking from those categories and I still have, my meals are still delicious. I mean, I love them, but really limiting the number of choices that I need to make during the course of the day is is a minimal way of eating and it totally works for me. It saves me a lot of time in terms of grocery shopping, food prep, and then just deciding, what do I want to eat? Well, I've got my go-to stuff, and I kind of stick to it. Yeah, that's how I, that's how I live now. It's, I, I eat two meals a day, and they're the same exact meals, and I go food shopping, and it takes me five minutes in and out. I go to Whole Foods. I get the same exact thing, same shopping list. I know exactly where to save money. I know what things I can buy, what things I can't buy. And then I, you know, make those things. It's no decision. I don't need to know what, what's for dinner tonight. Oh, let's look through the pantry. Oh, I can't decide. And this is all wasted time, you know, just figuring out what fuel to put in your body. You know, you're not at the, you're not at the gas station going, oh, do I want unleaded uh, super premium or, oh, God, <laughs> this is, I don't know. I mean, I like the plus, but the, the premium, you know, you don't do that. You're just like, all right, nah, give me regular, you know, whatever, fill it up. It's 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 just it's less to think about, and 
um, I, I mean, I think that's important, but, and, and I think there's a lot of ways to save money. I mean, that's really what it, it, that's like kind of the side benefit of it, right? So you wouldn't, you didn't go minimalist because you wanted to save money. That wasn't your intention. Although I'm sure it helped, right? Yeah, that's true. No, that wasn't my intention. Uh, I went to become a minimalist because my brain was just crazy, mm-hmm. just constantly going, never slowing down. And I never, I never had the wherewithal to just really slow down and think, okay, what is it that you really want, Joel? Uh, why are you doing the things that you're doing? I never really asked myself that question before. Why? Mm-hmm. You know, why are you doing the work that you're doing? Why are you so consumed with it's making a sure that question. your 401k, that you have the maximum contribution every year and that you're putting $5,500 in your Roth IRA and all these different things? And uh, now, a- after going minimalist, like I-, I knew that that framework would help me better answer the question, why? Why am I who I am? Mm-hmm. What really makes me tick? And how do I want to leave a legacy when I'm totally done in the world? Uh, these are all things that were new to me. And just once I got a taste of it, then I just wanted more. And minimalism was one of the primary ways that got me that taste. Right. And it's not just why. It's, it's what, right? It's what does Joel want? And whether that can be uh, physical or just in life in general. Yeah, totally. I mean, that's what I struggle with. I go, you know, what, is, what does Matt want? Does Matt really want, you know, uh, this particular item? Does he really need this particular item? Uh, every time I, you know, do, do a, a shopping bit uh, or, you know, what does Matt want to do in the next six months? You know, speaking in the third person. Does Matt want to speak in the third person all the time? <laughs> you know, it's it's these like these questions and – if you're, it's, it's, I think it's a matter of being mindful, right? So it's really, and you, and you said you practice meditation, and I kind of want to ask you about that, but uh, I want to go uh, talk a little bit about the money thing, if you don't mind. So, hey, this is, uh, I would expect you this to is on a the personal, show. I mean, yeah, come on. Believe it or not, we're talking about a personal finance show right now. So, uh, you know, what are some of the money uh, decisions? Like, I know you, you had said that, you know, now you're an entrepreneur, you had, you were making good money beforehand, you left uh, your job to be an entrepreneur. You have enough money as a runway. You're doing your thing now. Uh, what are some of the minimalistic changes that you made at, when it came to your finances? Well, one was I, I wasn't working in a large corporation anymore. And so I didn't have a 401k. Right. Uh, I didn't have any income, so I couldn't be contributing to a Roth IRA. Uh, all of the things that I had previously done is just automatic. Hey, that's what you do. Mm-hmm. I no longer had the personal income to do it. I mean, as a family, we were doing just fine. But personally... I could no longer continue making the kinds of investments that I wanted to do in terms of saving for retirement. So that was one of them. I don't know. I mean, you guys, I, I could bust open Quicken right now. I love Quicken, by the way. I've used it that's for the your, last. That's your tool for personal finance? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I've used it for the last six years and, and I could I could talk about charts in terms of what the spending looked like before and after and what we spent less on, what we spent more on. I don't know where you guys want me to go with it. I mean, it, that's just, that's it. So like, it's about the spending. You, you cut spending as much as you could. Or you just, yeah. or you just to chose what to spend your money on. Yeah, well, so here's an example. Okay. For my business, I run my business on $80 a month. Wow. Because I'm I'm, I'm internet based. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I pay $5 to schedule once so that I can work with you guys to make scheduling an appointment really easy. Yep. I give money to AWeber for my email marketing. 
I have you know web hosting, of course, and domain renewals. But overall, 80 bucks a month. That's my overhead. Now, that doesn't count one-time things. Like the event that you mentioned, the Simple Rev, the Simple Living event that just went down in yeah. Minneapolis in October 2014, that there were some one-time costs in the thousands of dollars that are just fixed costs as a result of putting on an event. You want to put on a multiple-day event, you pay these costs because you have to. They're non-negotiable. But in terms of figuring out well, what kind of experience am I trying to create for these people that I'm trying to help as a co-organizer of this event? Do they need a ton of swag? Like, do I need to drop 500 bucks on t-shirts for everybody? No, that, that, this isn't the kind of crowd that's going to dig that. Do I need to make sure that everybody leaves with uh, a new water bottle or a whole bunch of other stuff? No, we, me and my co-partner, Dan Hayes, we decided we're not going to spend thousands of bucks on our event like most other people do. So that's, well, that's one of the, at least from a business side of things, where I made the initial decision and the continued decision that there's just a whole lot of stuff that's not going to make a big difference. And actually, people will appreciate it if, if I don't buy it for them. Gifts for my children are a perfect example, too. I've, I've tried to train my kids to not expect to get gifts all the time. And I think that really, I don't think, I know for a fact, because I've read the science and I've read the books on it, that kids appreciate being able to focus and they're more creative when there's less stuff around. Mm -hmm. So there's a couple ways, guys. You know, I, I find it funny that if you want to throw an event uh, on the cheap, just throw an event about minimalism. <laughs> yeah. Because that way you have an excuse not to spend money on it. No cocktail hour. Nobody's yep. looking for the white linen tablecloths and nope. the filet mignon thrown on the table for them. I could had that going for us. Yeah. So uh, what about your living situation? You know, like as far as your housing, did you... Uh, downsizing that or was that just you had it and that was just what you continued to do well that's an interesting point so the whole having kids thing just totally changes the calculation sure. when it comes to your housing uh, because well more kids more room. means generally you need more room and yeah and we to some extent we did so here you go there's six animals living in my house there's my wife there's my two sons and two dogs then my two dogs are medium-sized dogs i have a samoyed and a golden retriever Th that's a lot of animals that need uh, to have some space to roam around like yeah. we can't live in a hundred square foot tiny house it, right. it just simply does not work for our family dynamic and needs and i don't know if you guys have seen pictures of me I'm freakishly big. Like, I'm six foot six, and I need a little bit of space. <laughs> so when it comes to the housing aspect, three years ago, this was well after I had already started this whole personal renaissance minimalist thing. My wife and I, we decided to move from Minneapolis into a suburb of Minneapolis called Edina. And technically, we have a smaller house. Before, we had, I think, 2,100 square feet. Okay. Now we have 1,800 square feet. So you could say that we downsized the amount of space that we have inside of our home, but it doesn't feel like that because our yard is about two and a half times bigger and our neighborhood is a lot more friendly. We spend a lot more time outside. So it doesn't really matter that our house, well, except for in the wintertime because, you know, Twin Cities gets kind of cold in here. Yeah. Yeah, but, but we don't really think about after a certain bare minimum is met, of which 1,800 square feet is way more than what we need. It doesn't really feel any different to me to be in a 1,800 square foot house or a 5,000 square foot house. Yeah, I mean, I lived in a 1,200 square foot uh, condo, and it's not much bigger than that. And that that seemed fine for one person, but even for a family of well, what four and then two dogs. Yeah, yeah. That's so right. I mean, yeah, I mean, I think that's a that's a decent size. And uh, what about? Um, you know, this, I, you mentioned meditation, right? 
uh, that's something that you adapted, uh, I guess, from, you know, when you started, when you made the switch and you started reading these blogs and stuff. Are there any tools or do you do do guided meditation? Are you part of any sort of uh, community in that? Well, I haven't totally made meditation a habit. I'd like to get a little bit better at it. There's a couple of things that I've tried uh, that have worked. I just haven't been consistent. It's not the tools problem. It's my problem. Mm -hmm. One of them is called Headspace. That's what I use, yeah. Which is pretty nifty. Uh, Another one is called Insight Timer, which I picked up on a tip from a guy named Christopher Carter of This Epic Life. If people want to get more into the whole meditation thing, there's tons and tons of different avenues that they can go down. But following what Christopher Carter's doing over This Epic Life, and and even, this is a plug for him because he's an awesome dude and he's got awesome resources, signing up for his email list and getting a five-day email series about meditation and incorporating that into your life. Yeah, those are some of the resources that have helped me not make it to the point where every morning for 10 minutes that I'm doing it, but I do it enough where it, it just, it, when my kids are stressing me out, I can get into that meditative state yeah. even without closing my eyes. And instead of just blowing up, which is what I used to do, like I said, this is all part of the whole simple living and realizing that the fact that I have kids is awesome. The fact that I'm in the house that I have is amazing. Like I am more fortunate purely from a financial perspective than 99.9% of the world. How can I not go through my day, even when my kids are pissing me off, at least wearing a partial smile? And minimalism and simple living have helped me in that way too, of just calming myself down, not needing my wife to say, dude, chill, yeah, chill. And that's really been a big help too. Now, if you uh, now you, you talk about minimalism and and if you had to wrap it up into one like major piece of advice that you'd give somebody who maybe uh, is on the fence about it or you know just they have this barrier. For instance, um, you talk about someone who was like, "Oh, I would I would love to you know live minimalism, but I." You know, I have to get to work in a car and I have to, you know, I have a wife and I have kids and they have all these 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 excuses and barriers that and, and, you know, for some it's excuses for others. It's like a real thing. You know, I live in New York and that's where my job is and I have to have a fancy apartment or I have to have at least an apartment that's, you know, somewhat decent. I don't want to live in a shithole. How do you uh, how do you what's the advice you'd give to somebody like that who is just trying to maybe is just kind of toying around with it, but has excuses and how to get over that? Yeah. Well, I've got tons of excuses of my own. I've given you some in terms of why I haven't made meditation a habit. Yeah. But whatever we think that we can't do, it's not true. Uh, look at, we, we'd already mentioned Leo Babauta of Zen Habits. Leo has six kids. Yeah. And he was living in Guam before he moved to San Francisco. And if with six kids and basically no money at one point in time, if he can be a minimalist, you can probably be a minimalist too. Uh, for every example where you're like, well, I'm this, I'm this snowflake. Like I'm this unique little snowflake and everyone else's experiences don't apply to me. I could probably dig up either off the top of my head or through a little bit of research online, somebody who has it worse, who has more obstacles thrown in their way, who has more physical, financial, you know, emotional hardship than you do to show you that these people did it. So it's not it's not really that you can't do it. It's just that you don't want to do it yet. And that's totally fine. If mm-hmm. people don't want to ever become a minimalist, whatever that means to them, to each their own, right? Yeah, but don't beat I, yourself up. Yeah. Over, you know? Yeah, have, have a level of self-care. Like, don't always think that you need to, to be better. And that's part of minimalism is not really comparing yourself 
to everyone else around you. And I've gotten a lot better at that in terms of saying, well, it doesn't matter what, how many Twitter followers Leo Babauta has. You know, it doesn't matter how many RSS subscribers he has. I'm not him and, and I'm never going to be and that's fine. I'm my own guy and I'm doing my own thing and, and that's, that's how I do things around here. Mm-hmm. So my main message to people who don't think that they ever could is you just haven't been exposed to enough reasons why you would benefit yet. We've covered some of them already. If you want to have future shows with other minimalists who can talk about some of the benefits, you know, I, I told you guys before we crank this up, I'd happily refer you to some amazing people who can frame things much better than I can. But as you're exposed to this, just like any, any big change that you're going to have in your life, whether it's philosophical or physical or relational, you just need to have it pounded over again and again until you really internalize Oh, oh, yeah. Oh, wait a second. Oh, so I, there is an alternative to just being busy, busy, busy all the time and going to this job that I just totally hate, but I'm doing it for the paycheck. And, you know, maybe someday, someday, when this thing happens, which is never going to happen, then, then I'll be happy. You know, then I'll have the kind of life that I want. Minimalism offers you the opportunity to have that now and basically shortcut a lot of the other things that you feel are in your way. Yeah, it's a good it's a good way to wrap things up. And I want to just add to that the idea of uh, you mentioning the relationships. And I think that if you surround yourself, like you just did, Simple Rev, with min- other minimalists, it's just, it's you know, if your friends are minimalist, then you, that kind of just, it almost sort of slowly works its way into your life and you start to become that, right? Bingo. And I think the same way, I mean, I'm, I'm sure you've seen this with the uh, the entrepreneurial world. Where if you surround yourselves with other people who are doing the, the work that you're doing, that work becomes a lot easier. And you have that support team around you that's constantly beating it over your head in a, in a very good way because it's something that you want beaten over your head. And so, you know, if you, I'm sure if you surrounded yourself with people who meditated more and talked about meditation more, you would ultimately start meditating more because it's just in your space. It's in your environment. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. So I think that's important too. So uh, your your website, valueofsimple.com, that's your blog. Yeah. Right? And you have uh, Smart and Simple Matters, that's your podcast. And where, I'm and, and, yep. Okay, good. You're not good. Perfect for radio. <laughs> exactly. uh, perfect for a podcast. No. <laughs> <laughs> so how do people find uh, Smart and Simple Matters? Is that through valueofsimple.com? Yeah, there's a podcasting category in the main navigation. Cool. They can go to iTunes and type Smart and Simple Matters. I'm syndicated on Stitcher and all those other places. So uh, Value of Simple is my home for everything. If you want to learn more about SimpleRev.com, this event, now a greater movement that we're doing around the themes of simple living, whether that's the, the share economy is a great thing for, for our crowd, for your kind of podcast listeners in terms of how do I consume less? Mm-hmm. Uh, contribute more, build community, and then save some cash. Well, use things like Airbnb and relay rides and uh, eat feastly, meal sharing, all these different things. You can find all of these different rabbit holes to go down through valuesimple.com. Right. And uh, when's the next? Are you guys doing another simple rev? Yeah, but we kind of want people to be empowered enough that they start Simple Rev chapters in their own local communities. So what we're working on right now, and if any of your listeners want to contribute, we would love, love to have them 
figure out what kind of assets they have, whether it's graphic design or copywriting or just maybe they've got some awesome connections that they want to hook us up with, with people in the world of simple living, at least what they think about it. We really want people to get their fingerprints on it and feel like this thing is theirs because it doesn't belong to any individual. Uh, We'll probably do another big multiple day simple rev style event somewhere in North America in 2015. But we're looking to create some kind of a field kit for people to be able to have simple rev in a box, basically. Even if it's just three people for an hour at your house yeah. and you give a little workshop on ethical purchasing of goods, for example, that's what we'd really like to do so that people don't need to wait for us to come to town. They can just bring us to town whenever they want. Cool. That sounds like an idea. I like that idea. Uh, yeah. What about social media? Are you on social media? Yeah. Twitter is kind of my favorite hangout. I'm cool. at Joel Zeslovsky and Google Plus is a close second. I'm plus really? Joel Zeslovsky there. Yeah. Facebook uh, doesn't do anything for me. And I'm a minimalist, man. I love spreadsheets. Pinterest and and like Instagram. Yeah. Oh, they're too visual. I'm just like, oh my God, too much stimulation. Please put me back in a black and white spreadsheet. Wow. Interesting. Google Plus. Andrew, you had to laugh at that. <laughs> What's funny? It's oh, an awesome platform. Yeah, but he always makes fun of me because I don't, I, I don't like it personally. You know, pe- people actually complain. You know, I got, I read an email the other day. They said they can't post anything on our, our Google Plus page. Why? Uh, I don't know. Not, it's just not set up. I, I, it's, it, I'm sorry. Google Plus confuses me. I don't understand it. I guess I have to spend more time with it. But man, I don't understand it. I guess I'll, I'll need your help, Joel. <laughs> if you want it at some point, Matt, you got it. <laughs> All right, well, Joel, thanks for being on the show, man. I appreciate it. Yeah, it was fun, guys. Guys, listen, if you guys have questions about this stuff, uh, email us at listenmoneymatters at gmail.com. And if you like the show, please subscribe to the podcast. Uh, we have a new show every single day, and you can subscribe via iTunes or Stitcher or whatever podcasting app you use on your phone or devices. And if you really, really like the show, leave a review, which you can leave on iTunes and Stitcher. And I would like to read a quick review from Finding the Unfound uh, from the United States. Five-star review, Money Mogul Masters is the title. Matt and Andrew, you guys are Money Mogul Masters. Thank you. Uh, Your podcast is awesome. I'm learning tons of practical, useful information about personal finance from you two. Plus, there's a double bonus. You guys are hilarious and fun to listen to. I'm 22, and and with your advice, I can see myself being set for the future one day with some hard work and strategic planning. Seriously, thank you guys. No, thank you, founding, finding the unfound. I uh, really appreciate that. Wonderful, wonderful review. And please go to our website. It's listenmoneymatters.com. We are writing two articles a week. Some are from us. Most are from Candice. She has a lot of good stuff that she's been posting up there. And we also have our toolbox which is uh, listenmoneymatters.com slash toolbox. And that is where you can find all of the, uh, the things that we mentioned here on the show. And uh, that's pretty much it. So guys, thank you so much for listening. And, and Joel, thanks again for being on. Are you there? Yep. I'm oh, cool. Here. Sorry. I, I thought that was your wrap. Oh, I no. I wanted I, you to, be, to, to verbally acknowledge that it was great to be on again. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, seriously, Joel, thanks so much for being on. And, and uh, Andrew, of course... Mm-hmm. Thanks again for being on. Uh, oh, yeah. No. <laughs> yeah, no, that's right. That, that never happens, right? No, yeah, no. I'll, I'll feed your ego, man. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Thanks again for hanging out with us. And we look forward to the next episode. So later. Later. There you go.
please tell your friends about this show. <laughs>